Hi, folks. Today we're going to be talking about the movie Napoleon, which is by Ridley Scott and stars Joaquin Phoenix. The movie recounts most of the life of the French emperor Napoleon, his meteoric rise, and then his extremely steep fall. He covers kind of the major beats of his life, but none of it really matters. And I think that that was kind of the point of the movie is, is showing that these events in his life, or at least in the view of, of Ridley Scott, are pretty small. And the story of Napoleon's life is kind of framed through his relationship with the Empress Josephine, who is uh, you know, Napoleon's wife. She's a little bit loose, and a big theme of the movie is Napoleon as the cuckold, this insecure man who takes out his insecurity on the rest of the world. And, and a lot of you know, major world events are literally motivated by him getting topped. And it's funny on a lot of levels, like the, the movie in many parts plays like a comedy, but it's, it's, it's just shit. Like this movie is so bad. Um, I'm honestly amazed that it got made. And I think this is kind of the culmination of the bitterness that is built up in a lot of people, uh, especially older people. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, formed into the, the kind of ultimate anti-epic, like the anti-great Nan piece, where you take this person, who's this major, major driver of history, you know, it's called the Napoleonic era for a reason, right? It's defined by the actions of one man. And the entire movie sets about making that one man seem as small and as frivolous as possible. I don't claim to be an expert on the Napoleonic era. The only two books on that period that I've read that were nonfiction were 12 Who Rules, which is by R.R. Palmer, and The Age of Napoleon, which is by J. Christopher Harold. And I'd really recommend 12 Who Ruled. It kind of gives a sober analysis of the terror and, you know, has a very novel perspective on it, which is that the terror at least initially, was a pretty understandable attempt to stabilize the situation in revolutionary France, even if it became very unsympathetic. And uh, Agent Napoleon um, is this wonderful look at the personal policy of Napoleon. It's not like a military history of him, but rather a, a political and philosophical history. And uh, it's just kind of funny to think about him, right? And, and this kind of gets touched on in the movie where, like, his personal politics were kind of incoherent, but even despite this lack of coherence, right, he was one man driving an entire continent, and whatever his ideas were, he was able to, you know, he was like a master painter, right? He's making these broad strokes of history through his own personal effort, and I think that's why people were so captivated by him. And again, I'm not a real like, Nietzsche expert, but that's why Nietzsche is so captivated by him, as he's this man who became this kind of ultimate man and like his will became destiny and people were willing to follow him to the end. Right? So many units in Napoleon's army suffered catastrophic casualties voluntarily. I mean, these were just very brave guys. And he was um, someone who allowed the human spirit to kind of overcome itself and people put their own lives aside in service of these grand historical arcs. And that's, you know, not many people can do that. And that's why Napoleon, I think, has been such a captivating figure for so long for so many people. But Ridley Scott is definitely not captivated by Napoleon, and he lets us know that several times. So 
Before I get into the movie proper, I'd like to talk about uh, another really Scott film, which I think is his best movie and was the first movie of his career. And it's called The Duelist. And The Duelist is this wonderful look at a, a rivalry between Napoleonic era officers. You know, there's two French officers. One is kind of mellow and down to earth and the other has a kind of the kind of Napoleonic spirit. He's very hard charging and brash and arrogant. And they start a long feud and they fight a, a series of duels across Napoleon's wars between each other. And that movie is a great look at the era in that both characters are very captivating, but the movie is, is pretty unimpressed with, um, with Napoleon in general, right? The, the guy who is most like Napoleon is, is unambiguously the villain. But despite the fact that he is the villain, He's still very compelling, and you kind of get a good sense of him, even though you're well aware of what his flaws are. You know, he's, he's obviously this um, kind of force of nature and can't exist in the world while his counterpart can make a life. I mean, you know, that's kind of Napoleon's problem, right? It can't just exist, and eventually that destroyed him and, and destroyed so many other people. But... It's a movie that is fascinated with the period. There are all sorts of wonderful details. It was shot on location at these kind of historic sites. And I'm sure that, like, I'm not a historical expert, but, like, the costumes look amazing. It's a very colorful film, and it's just full of life. And that sense of, of being full of life is totally absent from Napoleon. Even though they, you know, kind of have similar messages, right? Like, you know, the duel is a little bit down on Napoleon, but it, it makes an effort to kind of show you at least why people were, were so seduced by these feelings. The Napoleon biopic that Ridley Scott just made makes no attempt at that and seems to just have total contempt for everyone, including the audience. The movie is just as unentertaining as possible, right? It's supposed to be this biopic of a major historical figure. Yeah, it kind of goes through Napoleon's Wikipedia article, but it all seems very tedious. And it's definitely not interested in these major historical events. What it's most interested in is the relationship between Napoleon and Josephine. And I wouldn't be surprised if this movie originally started out as a much lower budget movie that was only about that relationship and had no battle scenes. Like the, uh, the battle scenes in this feel totally tacked on. It's just a bunch of guys running at each other. I'm sure they spent a trillion dollars and like all the uniforms are accurate or whatever, but it looks, it looks terrible. It is totally unimpressive. Nothing is exciting. You're just kind of waiting for it to be over. And you get the feeling that Ridley Scott is waiting for it to be over too. And it's hard to watch this movie without thinking what it, about what it might have been. Like, it reminded me a lot of the movie Waterloo, which is made in, in 1970, was the joint Soviet and Italian production. And that movie was about the crisis that ensued after Napoleon's return from exile and, you know, culminates in the Battle of Waterloo, where he was defeated for the last time. And the most notable thing about that movie was that there were 15,000 actual Soviet soldiers who worked as extras. And, you know, they're all dressed up in period costumes. They all have muskets. They're riding around in cavalry. Uh, and you, they're riding around as cavalry. And you get a real sense of the scale of the period. And it's, it's almost difficult to believe that these battles even happen, right? It, it seems like a mythological battle where they say, like, oh, there were one million, you know, Egyptian soldiers fighting against the Nubians. 
And you know that they're kind of flubbing the numbers there, but they probably weren't flubbing the numbers during the Napoleonic era. And so it's a really amazing spectacle that occurred across here. But again, this is why people were so captivated by it. And even though the movie that, you know, the movie Waterloo is not enamored with Napoleon, right? Napoleon is this, I don't want to say tragic figure, but he's very flawed. Um, you know, Napoleon killed a lot of Russians, so Soviet directors are going to be too kind to him. Um, but like, he's an, an interesting three-dimensional character, and he has a lot of gravitas. And so when he's moving the entire continent to his tune, it doesn't seem stupid. And that's the problem with Napoleon, uh, the, the movie Napoleon, is you have no idea why anyone would listen to Joaquin Phoenix, right? He, he seems like an incel. He seems like the prototypical incel, and that's, I'm certain, what they were going for with the movie. And he's totally unimpressive. The movie is largely about what a joke he is. And the joke is on all of us because he managed to become the supreme dictator of Europe for a little bit. And Ridley Scott's Napoleon just makes no effort to explore the why of the period, right? There's a great scene early on in the movie Waterloo where um, the major British officers who would later serve in the, in the Battle of Waterloo are watching a, a dance from the Scottish Highlanders and they're like, the, the motions are like perfect and they're all in, in synchronicity with each other. And it's really amazing. And like, that's, I, I think at, at the core of the period and why people find it so romantic is that you have so many people working in concert. They're relative, you know, they're very technologically unsophisticated compared to where we are now, but they're so impressive in their coordination and they're part of something that is much larger than himself, themselves. And really, Scott's Napoleon doesn't really look into that at all. And if you do look into it, and you know, what, why are all these people doing these things? It's just like, well, I guess they were, they were all fucking stupid, huh? Like, what, what a bunch of idiots following this incel who's really just angry that he got cucked. Probably the only part of this movie that I actually enjoyed was the opening scenes which take place while the French Revolution is still going on and Napoleon is just a young, ambitious officer. And I think the movie does a good job then just capturing the heart of the French Revolution, which is these kind of bloviating lawyers and the total depravity of the general public. I've seen a lot of nasty mobs in movies, and, and this movie probably has the nastiest mobs and the most realistic mobs. And you can kind of see the derangement in everyone around the period. And at least that makes it easy to understand how Napoleon was able to rise so quickly. That said, you know, a big part of Napoleon's appeal was that he was the man who kind of brought order to the universe, and you never get that sense from Ridley Scott's Napoleon, right? It's just like, I, I, like everyone just kind of puts up in Napoleon. There are no real characters other than Napoleon and Josephine. Even the Duke of Wellington, who, a very interesting figure and very antithetical to Napoleon, he just kind of shows up and has a few lines of terse dialogue, but like there's nothing... The world doesn't exist outside of them, and it, it's not even interesting. I really do think this movie was originally written as like a low-budget indie movie. They're only going to have a few actors, and so the star of the show is going to be these, you know, these two high-dollar actors, you know, Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby. They're both good actors, but the total lack of supporting characters kind of makes the universe seem very empty and boring, and especially in, when the events involve 
literally millions of people, like you need something, right? You need you you can't just have these two people, these two characters, because it makes everyone else seem very dumb. You know, even if the two characters, you know, they're both very narcissistic, they don't really care about everyone else, but like everyone else still exists and they're still doing stuff that's important to the story. So like we need to see them and we, we just don't get them. And one aspect of the movie that's kind of made headlines, um, I know it just released today, but a lot of reviews have been complaining about the historical accuracy of the movie. Again, I'm not an expert on the period, but I do know that the maybe depicts things that just didn't happen, right? Like Napoleon's troops win a battle in Egypt by just firing on the pyramids. And like that didn't happen. There's a battle that was kind of inside of the pyramids. But like it's, it's those sort of changes that break immersion in the movie, at least for me. And you also have to kind of consider why the changes are being made, right? Like obviously movies can't capture history perfectly. You're ultimately telling a fictional story, right? You, can't, you have no idea what actually happened back then. But if you're going to change history like that, it just seems wrong to change it to diminish someone's accomplishments like that. Like it, it made the, the battle in Egypt, which was a very impressive victory for Napoleon's forces, seem like it was just a total cakewalk. And you know, really, he just had the show of force. And then the leader of the bad guy army fell off his horse and broke his neck and everyone surrendered. And I don't know, it's just like kind of ridiculous. And it just seems very juvenile. And it's obvious that Ridley Scott doesn't have a lot of concern for Napoleon or he doesn't like him. The movie's very negative on Napoleon, which is fine. Right? Like that's a valid interpretation of this historical figure to have. But if you're going to have that view, like you should at least have some respect for the period. And he just clearly doesn't, right? And, and Ridley Scott in his interviews, like, well, you know, who the fuck are historians to, to criticize the accuracy of my movie? Like, were you there? And it, again, it just seemed very petulant and juvenile. This whole movie seems kind of juvenile, but it's juvenile in a way that only a bitter old person can be juvenile. And I think that kind of cuts to the core of the movie. It's just like Ridley Scott seems pissed off about something, like there's a bug of his ass. And as a result, he made this very angry movie. It doesn't attempt to be entertaining. It doesn't attempt to be accurate. Really, it's just the ultimate, like, middle finger to ambitious young people. And the fact that Ridley Scott is 85 years old as he says this message makes it, again, like, seem pretty, pretty petty. I'm sure everyone's encountered old people like that where they're like, oh, I'm old, I've seen it all. You know, does anything really matter? I'm about to die anyway, so I'm just going to be as rude as possible. And like, I don't know, it's just fucking annoying. And um, a lot of times people get very old without a lot of wisdom. And that, that seems to be kind of at the core of this movie is like age of that wisdom. And the movie doesn't really have that much to say. Like at the end, there's a title card and it, it lists the number of battles Napoleon had and it lists the casualties. And it's, again, it's just a, the final takedown of Napoleon. And like, honestly, at the end, it's, it, you know, I like laughed out loud because... Napoleon is a captive on the British flagship, and he's being talked to by these, like, midshipmen. I mean, or I guess ensigns, I don't actually know naval rank, but they're the, like, little kids, and they'd be, like, the trainee officers on the boat, and all the little kids love him. And it made me think that really Scott was trying to be, like, Napoleon is, like, this Andrew Tate figure, 
where he's this really toxic masculinity, like influencer guy, and the only people he really appeals to are little kids. And the little kids don't understand the gravity of, of Napoleon's actions, and so they're enamored with his, like, expressions of power. But really, he's just like this vulgar retard. And, I mean, I don't know that much about Andrew Tate, but, like, I don't think that that's a really, really grounded take on Napoleon in general. Again, like, this is a guy who moved continents. Like, he was not a vulgar retard. He was not a bitter incel. He was a great man. And the movie is just hostile to the idea of great men. And it can't really do that. Uh, and, and I guess, like, the hostility is, is made to be ridiculous because the movie plays with history. So, like, it, it just seems, like, bitter and contemporary. Like, it doesn't seem like it attempted to depict Napoleon fairly. Um, it, it maybe thinks that depicting Napoleon fairly would be a waste of time. And, I mean, the whole movie is kind of a waste of time. Like, I wish I had those two hours of my life back. Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor, but he, he seems like he's really phoning it in. And, I don't know, like, a, a, the battle scenes especially, because, you know, this is very noticeable, but, like, it seems like everyone's just phoning it in, right? Like, it's the most boring, massive battle scenes where 10 trillion people died. The Battle of Waterloo doesn't seem like a climax at all. And all the scenes are just people running at each other. Like, there was a big part of the marketing was like, oh, this great historical epic director is going to be directing this ultimate historical epic. And, you know, we gave him $200 million in these huge sets, and there are all these guys, you know, with horses, and it's going to be this big spectacle. I believe that they had the, the like, thousands of extras, but it, it might as well have been shot on a green screen. It's so boring. Uh, like, I mean, all the battles are kind of the same way, where just people walk straight towards each other. There's no, like, maneuver or anything like that. It's just, like, a chaotic shit show. And then you get the, the kind of, like, like Reddit gore where uh, like some of, some of the times it's like kind of cool, especially in the uh, in uh, the opening riot where Napoleon disperses a, a royalist mob with grave shot. Like, you know, it's very gory. But like a lot of the gore is like the sad, like, you know, oh, the human cost of battle or something like that. But the movie isn't really about that. And like that wouldn't make a very good movie anyway. And yeah, I don't know. It's just like, why are we here? Like, Ridley Scott seems to have total contempt for the subject of his biopic. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix has caught a board. None of the other characters except the Empress really even exist. And it's just like, well, what, why did we do that? Just so we could have a, like, historical epic product. So Apple, you know, the Apple board can say, hey, we made a historical epic. Here it is. You know, no one, no one is going to watch this in the future. No one's going to see this and be inspired or moved or even entertained, right? Like, this is, again, I, I see it as akin to Killers of the Flower Moon in that it's, like, boring and unappealing, has an aesthetic choice, and... I'm sorry, guys, you got to fucking entertain me. You have to, enter, you have to, you know, make the crowd pleaser. Um, like, that's, that you need, a, you need to give me an actual movie. I know Ridley Scott probably didn't want to make a movie about Napoleon. Yeah, I'm sure they weighed a lot of money in his face to do this one. But, like, you still have to make the, the movie movie. And we just don't get that here. And a lot of times it seemed like Scott was actually like beating a response, right? He was really hostile to critics in France who were complaining about the historical inaccuracies. But like, you know, there's the, the infamous Ridley Scott gray filter where everyone was pointing out just how bad the movie looked, right? There's this horrible color tint to pretty much every scene and it makes every scene look totally dead. Like a, there's a funny 
uh, tweet about how behind-the-scenes photos of the movie look better than the movie itself just because they don't have that filter. And like, yeah, that, that seems like a deliberate aesthetic choice. Like, I'm going to make this place seem ugly and lifeless, even though... I put a lot of effort into this beautiful historical reproduction. Likewise, and I, I don't want to be too autistic about this, but France was looking really diverse um, in the 1800s, and I, I don't necessarily think it was that diverse. Like I believe there was some degree of diversity in eight, you know, 19th century France. It, it was a lot, and I, I think it, you know, black extras and even Asian extras show up in a lot of scenes. And you know, I got to say, it seemed like it was a setup so that someone could point it out and then Ridley Scott could like own the racist or something like that. Like it, it seemed like a deliberate choice as opposed to we're trying to accurately depict France from that period. But it seemed like defined like, oh, actually, you know, all levels of society were super multiracial and integrated during that time period. You know, I'm not saying that that didn't occur to some extent, but like it was a lot and it was very, very noticeable. So, yeah, um, I really don't recommend this movie. I know you're probably going to see this anyway. I, I'm trying to warn you. I hope that when the credits finally roll and you see the title card, you think like, oh, man, that guy was right. I should have listened to him. Like, there's got to be something else that you can watch with your family over the Thanksgiving holiday. Just to warn you off, there are several sex scenes in the movie, but they're, they're kind of played for comedy. Like, you know, Napoleon is just frantically thrusting away. And just like, it's, it's all ridiculous. If you like Napoleon, you'll dislike the movie. If you dislike Napoleon for whatever reason, you still won't enjoy this movie, right? This, it, it'll just kind of confirm what you've already already thought. Like, I can't think of any redeeming quality of this movie. I don't uh, know why this movie existed. All I could think about was, like, you know, all this effort that went behind, you know, went on behind the scenes to get all these people together. It's impressive. Like, they're not able to do that that much anymore. Any other story would have been effective. And it, it's a little bit concerning because Ridley Scott is shitting out a lot of movies. A lot of the movies are written by the same guy. And I just can't imagine what sort of horrors are going to be inflicted on blockbuster audiences. America needs a good blockbuster. I mean, we're, we're probably not going to get one, at least one that we need or deserve. So yeah, I don't, don't see this movie. If you do see it, I warned you. I tried so hard. So that's all for this week. Unfortunately for me, at least, paid subscriptions are currently disabled for the Substack. I'm working to resolve that situation. If you like what you've heard and you want to subscribe, do the free subscription. For all paid subscribers, you know, if you're month by month, like you won't be charged anymore. If you've already done the year-long subscription up front, you don't need to worry at all. I'm still going to be providing at least a year's worth of content. Whatever happens, like, you know, people who made up front, like I'm going to get you articles and podcasts, either on the Substack or if you're somewhere else, who will be grandfathered into whatever happens. So yeah, you never have to worry about that. I really am sincerely grateful to all paid subscribers. So yeah, um, have a great Thanksgiving holiday. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and have fun with your family. Bye.